Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in today. We have a very special guest, casting icon. I'm not going to tell you until I say the names of some of the shows. Animal Kingdom, Shameless, Southland, West Wing, ER, SEAL Team, China Beach for some of you who will know that incredible show. Please help me welcome and pay great attention to the great John Frank Levy. John. Hi, everybody. So happy you're here. This is such an incredible give back for everyone listening. I hope Aaron Sorkin's not listening because he needs to call it The West Wing. Oh, shoot. My bad. Are you? Yeah, well, he's not, I'm sure he's busy. Well, the thing is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you got to respect the writer. The writer comes first, in my opinion. Okay, so, John... I said John Frank Levy because that's how you're listed, but I just call you John Levy. I don't know. Anyway, tell us, please just fill the everyone in with how you began in this crazy business. How many shows have you cast already? And then I want to get into the, 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 the details of casting, okay? Sure, well, uh, there really is no one way to get into casting. There's no school and there's no, uh, you know, training program, although I think now the Casting Society does have a mentorship and training program for people. Mm. But uh, when I started, I was directing in the theater. I had the NEA Directors Fellowship at the Mark Taper okay. Forum in um, 1979, or maybe it was 1980, something like that. Uh, and I, um, actually, I, I'm lying slightly. I, I say I had the NEA Directors Fellowship because Gordon Davidson, the artistic director there, invited me to have the uh, NEA Directors Fellowship, mm. but the grant writer who worked for him missed the deadline. So I had some unnamed fellowship. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> and I was, I, I was at the taper doing readings of new plays and assisting on the main stage and directing in their literary cabaret and in their second stage and various other venues, not on the main stage. But uh, I had a fantastic three years at the taper mm. uh, where I actually learned about that there was such a thing as a casting director. Uh, I worked with the casting director and somebody from the literary department on a series of new play readings, maybe 15 of them a year. And that was where I got a chance to see the importance of casting. Wow, uh, yes. But what were you doing there? You were always behind the scenes or were you in front of the scenes? No, I was, uh, I was assisting on the main stage to the directors. Ah, I, uh, I was uh, doing those readings. Mm -hmm. I was participating in, uh, I was directing productions in secondary venues. Mm -hmm. uh, they had a literary cabaret at a restaurant down the street mm -hmm. uh, called The Itchy Foot. But uh, and uh, I, I worked in their second stage, Taper 2, and their new play festival. And uh, it was a fantastic experience. Well, a dream come true. Yes, absolutely. And theater, and I'm sure you're going to tell actors out there how important this training of theater is, and then coming into the television world. And I'm sure you feel that, I'm sure you feel that way, because there's, there's just... I don't know. In theater, to me, there's just so much richness in the writing and then learning the, the, the uh, layering of the characters. Do you agree? 
Sure, absolutely. And, and, it's, and getting the direct interaction with the audience, which you obviously don't get uh, in film and television, and also the, the continuity of starting at the beginning and going through until you get to the end. Uh, that's, a, a, you know, as opposed to doing a 30-second setup on a soundstage. It's a whole, it's a whole, I mean, it, it, the interior work is the same, but the, the, the flow and the muscle is entirely different. And you're, the, muscle, the muscle of doing the play is so uh, crucial to develop. Mm -hmm. You love actors and I, I've known you for many years and you have just created such an incredible career for yourself. So what was that first job? So you went from doing behind the scenes and assistant directing and maybe even some directing, and then you definitely, you went into television. What happened? Um, I directed a play by A.R. Gurney Jr. called The Dining Room, which I'm sure lots of you know. Yeah. It's, it's a good play to do scenes from in class. Um, <laughs> uh, and uh, for the first time in my life, uh, I experienced I don't know if I'd call it failure, but a negative response. Oh. And I went out for a drink after an early performance after the uh, reviews came out with a casting director named Barbara Clayman. Oh, and she said, if, she said, if you're going to take it this hard, kid, you, you better come and work for me. So I went, and I went to work for Barbara as her casting associate, and we did... Uh, commercials, we did television pilots, we did live theater, and we did feature films. Um, and uh, Barbara was quite a unique character and it was uh, exciting to work with her. And uh, after uh, a period of time, maybe 18 months, mm -hmm. uh, my dear friend from college who stage managed a lot of the plays I directed, mm. who I'm having drinks with in her driveway this evening. Her name is Eileen Berg. She was an executive at ABC Television for many years. Okay. And she introduced me to a legendary casting director. You said I was, but she really was. Marsha Kleinman. Yeah, and, she was, but so were you. But yes, go ahead, yes. And uh, Marsha hired me and uh, I went to work for her. And we did a lot of movies for television when they were on network. Hallmark mm. Hall of Fame movies and... Uh, like that, as well as some series and um, a couple of features, including Whoopi Goldberg's Burglar, which was oh, great fun. I had no idea. Yeah, it was great fun because um, Marcia said to me, uh, bring in a great actress you know from the theater to read the scenes for the female lead, and that way we'll learn what the part should be like, and then oh. she won't get it. But... Uh, <gasps> But, uh, she, you know, um, we'll figure out what we're looking for. And then, of course, I brought in a wonderful theater actress named Elizabeth Ruscio, who's now a, a published poet, as well as an actress. And, and, uh, and Elizabeth got the part. Well, to me, to me, as an acting coach and a recovering actor, uh, <laughs> being in... <laughs> Being coming from theater, you really learn so much and it resonates and the work is most important. Now, I know it's not always about the best auditioner who gets the job, the best actor and so many other elements go into it. But theater training to me is everything. It gives you substance. It gives you core. It gives you the training. Do you agree with that? 
I absolutely do. I mean, you know, it, it's slightly different uh, because the theater demands more of you. Uh, you start at the beginning and you end at the end every week, you know, every night. And uh, whereas in film and television, you might be doing a 40 second setup right. and all you have to do is hit two or three beats and make one sort of transition or turn. Yeah. Uh, uh, but getting from A to Z is something the theater actors know how to do. Uh, and uh, it, it's an enormously valuable training. It's nor and it makes you just more knowledgeable and being well read is so crucial. Even, Absolutely. Even when you're coming into television, it's a little bit more linear, but to have the depth. Yeah, I agree, get- Sherry, because the thing about actors, you know, if you're a piano player, uh, you have the 88 keys and they are in tune theoretically. So if you hit the 14th one from the right, it's going to sound the same every time. But if you're an actor, you're the instrument and the player at the same time. And yeah. the way you get to be an interesting instrument is by having an interesting life. Yeah. If you have a narrow life, you can only be as interesting as you actually are. <laughs> if you're, you know, if you're sort of a narrow uh, person who hasn't had a lot of different experiences, then you don't have a lot to draw on. Uh, you can, of course, use your imagination, which is the other uh, uh, approach. Uh, right. And sometimes you can have limited experience and a huge amount of imagination, and that can carry you through. But you know, a- acting is—you um, are—you—you are, you are what you've done and who you've known and what made you cry and what made you laugh, what made you feel yeah. triumphant and what made you feel yeah. like shit. Yes, yes. And I talk about it in my book that your pain pit is your power pit. And, you know, you could be an actress that can do or an actor that plays the lightest characters, but it comes from that core. And that core is what makes, I agree with you a thousand percent. That's what makes you interesting and vivacious. I, yeah, completely. So your first job alone after working with Barbara Clayman was what? What was well, that? actually, I went from Marsha, from Barbara to Marsha, mm-hmm. and then I got recommended to join the, the staff at Warner Brothers Television under a wonderful woman named Phyllis Huffman. Yes. Uh, all three of those women, I think, are gone. I'm not sure about Barbara, but Marsha and Phyllis are both gone. Mm-hmm. I had nothing to do with it, please. <laughs> uh, and I worked with Phyllis. Uh, I actually did a pilot there. Uh, with Tim Matheson that he was the executive producer of. And we cast Annette Bening as the female lead. And because she was just coming off Broadway where she had done a play that I can't remember at the moment. And then somehow it didn't work between Tim and Annette and Annette was replaced. Wow. Uh, So uh, I'm uh, one of my early things that I'm, uh, noted for is that I was on a project that fired Annette Benning. <laughs> Brilliant actress, which is to say for all the actors out there, you can't quit if you're fired. You just, it's like, that's your, that's, it happens to the best. Yeah, that's I mean, you know, I hope, I hope nobody will hear me, but she was fired because Tim wasn't funny. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, people are gonna hear this. They are gonna hear it. Wow. Oh, well, oh, well. Uh, that's okay. Don't tell, don't tell Tim. Okay, I won't, I won't. That's a secret, whoever listens to this, don't tell Tim. Okay, so then after that, what? Well, after that, the first really big 
project. I did it with Phyllis Huffman, although um, she mostly supervised me and made sure I was doing things the way she liked it. Uh, but a, a project that came onto my plate that was perfect for me. You know, I think there are uh, projects that are perfect for directors and writers and casting people as well as actors. You know, it's, mm -hmm. this was uh, China Beach and it, it took place Please, in... Let me say, let me just say, it was one of the best shows that was, that was ever and your eye and your casting was impeccable. Well, thank you. Uh, it was an amazingly good script, oh. uh, and and uh, and and uh, it, it, you know it it took place in the war in Vietnam, but it took place in the war in Vietnam. It wasn't a war picture; it was a picture about the women mm -hmm. who were there. One was Dana Delaney, who played a nurse, and the other was Marg Helgenberg, who played a, 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 a fixer. I guess we'd call her in this day and age. She could get anything. Really? for yeah. anybody. And then there was a young woman from Chicago who has since uh, left the business um, named Nan Woods, who played what they called a donut dolly, which was a Red Cross volunteer. I loved and, her. Yeah, she was great. Uh, Chloe Webb was in the pilot uh, and she was- uh, Brilliant. Fresh, fresh off uh, Sid and Nancy, which scared the <laughs> hell out of the uh, television executives. Wow. Um, because, you know, in the whole picture, she basically says, fuck you, Sid, <laughs> about 150 times. But she's brilliant. Like that whole cast was brilliant. But let me, can I interject something? When you're, you have such a good eye. So when those actors came in a long time ago, and we're going to talk about how the business has changed. What was it about their entering the room or just being in the embodied in the character that resonated with you that you went they're special they're gonna get that that role well you never know who's gonna get it you can hope that of the five people you think are most right that one of them gets it i had met dana when i worked for marcia um mm -hmm. a movie of, of the week about uh, uh, two brothers james woods and james garner Woods played the schizophrenic brother and Garner played a sort of ladies man star of a small town who was taking care of his crazy brother. And Dana came in for a part um, and she tells this story much better than I did. She told it one year at the Casting Society dinner. But uh, the, the part was uh, Garner made a joke and Dana's character who's sitting across the room in a couch laughs and kind of tumbles out of the couch and crawls across the room up into Garner's lap and kisses him. And she actually did that, uh, which I don't recommend, but <laughs> since my marriage was falling apart at the time, it was welcome. <laughs> uh, and uh, she, she tells me, she tells the story, um, uh, find a heterosexual casting director, kiss him, wait five years, get the lead in the series. That is so funny. People don't know how funny you are, John. You are so funny. Oh my God. The way you tell a story is so funny. But that is incredible. You, I don't recommend that either, but you know what? Sometimes, don't you think sometimes that impulse that just being in that moment pays off? Absolutely. I mean, I think you... It, it, touching, violating the bubble around the casting director is almost always 
a terrible idea. But uh, somehow you certainly have to play the moment of the falling off the couch and the kiss. Yes. Uh, uh, even if you don't actualize it. Right. I think she went a little bit extreme, but hey, hey, it worked. It, it, it certainly did. <laughs> and, and the thing about Dana that was so wonderful in that part was that she was everybody's sister, everybody's daughter, yes. everybody's favorite niece. And she was, she combined selflessness, generosity, innocence, mm. and service. Mm. And she was fantastic. Marg, on the other hand, was spectacular. And it's always very funny because I think in real life, Dana is more like the character that Marg played. And Marg is more like the character that Dana I, played. I love but it. Their, but their qualities, the things that they... Mm -hmm. uh, sort of embody uh, were right for the characters that they did play. I thought they were so, if you guys out there listening have not seen that show, you have to. It's so many years old, but it's timeless. And the work is incredible. And John, I just, I mean, I really do have to say every show that you cast, it's freaking amazing casting. Amazing, well, there, amazing. There have been some real bum, bummers as well over oh, the 30-something years. Oh, well, of course, <laughs> but on the majority of it all. I mean, yeah. The West Wing, ER. I mean, come on. I mean, even well, currently. Yeah. Kingdom. And Southland, which was one of my very favorite shows to cast. And, I'm, you know, we've had even 11 years now. We're, we're shooting season 11 of Shameless. It's, which is still a revelation. You know, you get to page 26 in the script and you go, you're kidding me. We can say that? We can do that? Crazy. And such an amazing cast. Of course, my neighbor is one of the main writers on that show who I love her so much. Uh, Nancy, you know, Nancy. Um, yeah, but just amazing, amazing on all those shows. And I know we're just, we're talking about China Beach, but I want to segue into you and for actors listening, what to expect when they're walking in the room for John Levy, or nowadays when they're getting cast off of Zoom, what to do on their tapes that are going to be intriguing for sure. you, because everyone's well, opinion is different. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, having a hard time making the adjustment hmm. to uh, self-tapes and Zooms as the only way that people can audition. And I, I'm sad to say that until there's a vaccine, yeah. I don't think you're going to be walking into a room. And by then, the habit of self-tapes and Zoom will have become entrenched. And I think it will dominate the audition process. And I think that wow. is terrible. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the interaction, you know, as I think you'll remember, Sherry, I love to play the fool and the joker in the waiting room with a group of actors to keep them loose. There might be 20 people sitting in my waiting room yes. and we, we go pretty quickly, but at the same time we give full attention and as much time as is merited to the actor when it's their time in the room. Mm -hmm. So I am uh, always bouncy and upbeat and uh, self-deprecating and try to make a joke to keep everybody loose and, and not, not uh, ratcheting up the crazy tension that actors can subject themselves to. Well, so, you know, too, because of the people pleasing and plus the, the, the want to do, to do well. Plus, sure. John, you're intimidating. You're intimidating because you care. 
You care. Yeah, so I much. hope I'm not intimidating to actors. I'm intimidating to your agents and your managers, and I mean to be. <laughs> oh, good, good. Uh, but I, but I want to be welcoming and nurturing, uh, and encouraging to actors. For one thing, I want you to succeed, so I can go home and have dinner. You know, with my friends, or you know, in the days when you could have dinner with friends. Yes. Yes. Uh, so, you know, I, I, it's in my best interest. I don't want to stay in the office till nine o'clock that night, uh, figuring out a session for tomorrow because this session stunk. Yes. Um, but on to the Zooming and the, and the self-taping. Yes. I, I think it's, you know, really important for you to set up a room that works. Uh, like right now, you're, you look wonderful, but this would be a lousy environment for oh. a self-tape because there's this distracting visual stuff behind you yes. that is taking me away from your face. So a clean, I think, blue, yes, uh, blue. sheet up against a wall uh, and to make damn sure that your sound system works. I get auditions now and I have my volume all the way up on my computer or my device and I can't hear a goddamn thing. Or wow. I can hear the reader and not the actor who's auditioning. That, that is shocking to me. And it's so funny because for our setup, I was going to be on my stage at my office with the background and, and everything. But then I was like, I got to be comfortable with John Levy today. I got to just hang out here at my desk. But when people um, uh, don't have a proper sound system, that is the killer of all killers. Oh, and plus, obviously, you're not going to have this background. You're going to have that clean background. Yes. Yeah. People, I mean, I, I'm, my producers aren't going to be able to work that hard to hear you, they're, they're gonna shut, they're, you're like they have a human clicker in their hand and as soon as it's hard, they yeah. disappear. Next. Yeah, exactly. But how, do people actually submit tapes to you with bad sound and lighting yeah. and the two most important things? Absolutely, yeah, they wow. do. That is um, astounding to me and everyone that studies at my studio knows otherwise and I just can't believe that people just take it for granted that they, that they just think that just having their name in front of you is going to be enough. That's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Also, I you know we're we've just, we ran into some problems getting people approved uh, um, in this last go round of uh, Shameless, mm. um, and partly it was because I got a wonderful email from my boss, from John Wells, and he said, you know, I don't hear your voice working with these actors between oh. takes are they just doing self-tapes at home or are you doing zooms with them <sighs> and i had to acknowledge that we were just basically curating self-tapes and he said i know you can fix these auditions that are missing something in tone mm. uh, when you get down to two or three people for a part please do zoom callbacks and we have started doing that now and it, it uh it's heartwarming to uh, see the smiles on actors' faces when they interact with me and my two wonderful associates. Um, and and it's, it brings back the fun. Because yeah, uh, uh, I'm not a curator of auditions. I'm a person who likes to get in the mud with the pigs. Yes, but you do love the artistry and you, know, you understand in your directorial you know, abilities of how to direct and make it concise and help actors give that beginning, middle and end. And believe me, sure. I know I sat years ago in that Warner Brothers waiting room, but it was nerve wracking, but 
so exciting. There was so much, there was so much energy and you wait in that long hallway and then John, you would come out and get us and you'd walk, who do do into your gorgeous office, but it was invigorating. And well, those were, those were really wonderful days. We had 13 casting directors yeah. on one long uh, L-shaped hallway. Uh, and we were always laughing and stealing each other's actors and uh, 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 getting along so well. And then out of those days came Friends and ER. Uh, and, you know, two of the most important television shows that Warner Brothers ever produced. And certainly, and, and you could argue that they're two of the 10 most important television shows ever on network television. Agreed. A hundred percent. Uh, you know, and, the, and those iconic stars, my God, the, what they've done, gone on to do is <sighs> remarkable. I do have to say for actors out there that I'm sorry that you did not have that experience at Warner Brothers. And it tears me up a little bit because those were such incredible, um, you know, days for actors. It was a camaraderie. There was something over there with all those casting directors. You know, you go down one, you say hello to somebody. It was a the doors were more open, it felt like. Do you? Yeah, I agree completely. I've, I always regret that I didn't do this because there was a waiting room before mm -hmm. you got to the hallway. Yeah. And I wanted to have the receptionist take a photograph every 20 minutes of who was in the waiting room oh. because it would be seven-year-old boys with no front teeth and 300-pound <laughs> women in motorcycle gear oh. and clowns and you know people right. dressed up as in sexy leading men and women clothing and and it would change yes. uh, every every 20 minutes a different group of actors would be sitting there i tr it's one of the only things i regret about my career is that i didn't do that because it would be a fabulous photographic uh, essay it would also be an incredible documentary because there are no documentaries on the life of casting directors which Side note, I do think that, that the appreciation for casting directors are, is getting so much more acknowledged, but I don't think it has been for years and years. And well, there was a fantastic documentary called Casting By, which was about oh. the legendary feature casting director, Marion Doherty. I have um, never seen that. It's spectacular. Oh. I'm on the cutting room floor because they decided to only talk about people who worked in features. Uh, but I, I, <laughs> <clears throat> but I did a lengthy interview. So I, I, I empathize with you actors who I was looking for feedback and I couldn't get it. No, see, yes. Then actors suffer. Can't you just tell them, do you ever tell them in the room or on Zoom or right away if they're going to get a call back? Because actors suffer over that, John. Sometimes I do. Yeah. What is it that you know just right away? Physical, emotional work, storytelling, close the deal, connects with you, call back. All of that stuff, yeah. I mean, it, it's about, uh, it's, it, it, for one thing, some people are more, you know, I was a lousy actor because I didn't know who I was personally myself at 25 when I first came out here to California. So I couldn't reveal myself because I was busy hiding myself in my life and in my work. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, so I can always tell an actor who is comfortable revealing themselves in public you know it's a some hoops who, what teacher was it was it Strasbourg who said private moments and then somebody augmented it and said private moments in public yeah and 
you know, they, there has to be a little bit of an exhibitionist in a really great actor. They have to want to be emotionally naked. Uh, you know, uh, the, I always say there are two kinds of actors, the ones that say, I have to, and the ones that say, hmm, I get to. Oh, I love that. And it's, the vulnerability is key. It's your vulnerability. It's your oddness. It's what makes you you that is going to come out and shine through. That's all you have is your own uniqueness. So let me ask you something. When actors, this is pre-COVID questions, obviously, because you're not going to get that now. But when actors would come in the room and would get nervous and falter and you could see it, but you saw something else that they, that, that was taking over, do you work with them? Or would, you, would that cause a mistrust to call back for the executive producers uh, to be on the show? What's your feeling on that? Well, it is information mm-hmm. and it's not positive information. If you don't have control of yourself uh, and, and you can't rely on your craft to overcome your nervousness, mm-hmm. then that's telling. Um, I try very hard to say, hey, well, let's take it again, take a deep breath. Uh, you know, you're on the right track, you're, but uh, you know, you're kind of getting in your own way and uh, you know, try to be encouraging if I have time. Yes, uh, yeah. Being lovely to people is always dependent on what level of pressure you're under as well. And so if you have the time to be lovely, we try very hard to do that. But, you know, it it is totally uncomfortable to watch an actor crash and burn. Oh, God, it's so painful. And it's also painful to be that actor crashing and burning. So actors out there, take care of yourself. But I think if actors are really in the story and what they want and what they're giving, they're going to be so caught up in their thoughts and they're not going to sponge off, you know, pleasing and getting caught in their head. Right, exactly. And I mean, if they're in the character's thoughts and needs and intentions and desires, then they'll be fine. If they're thinking, oh, fuck, I said the wrong word in the last sentence. That reads in your eyes. I mean, everything reads in your eyes. Yeah, Yeah. everything. Everything. Okay, so you'll give a little, but you know what actors really don't understand about casting directors, I think, is the pressure that you have. You have pressure. You're having voices uh, from the executives to tell you what they're looking for, and there's a time limit to find those roles. So, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and often, especially uh, in a pilot or in a new show, casting is where the differences of opinion about what the show should be get worked out. The mm-hmm. studio might think one thing and the creator might think another thing and the mm-hmm. network might want another thing. And that conflict gets resolved in the casting process. And so, you know, and you can't please, sometimes you can't please everybody because somebody's got to win. And yeah. if I'm luck, I've been very lucky to be working with John Wells for such a long time because when he says to a, a network executive or a studio executive, uh, I appreciate your note and thank you for thinking about it carefully, but the thing that's important to me about this character is A, B, and C, hmm. then that's what it is. Interesting. So when you're working with it, when you're working with a novice producer who doesn't have clout, then the produce the the, the studio executives and the network executives feel as though they have to rescue that person with their level of experience. And so often their ideas dominate 
And sometimes that changes the intention of the piece to the detriment of the piece. I, I agree a lot of times because there's a lot of times where I've, in my coaching days, I've coached so many wonderful pilots and then they don't get picked up because they've, they've too many voices, just too many voices gone in the way and the yeah. vision gets ruined. So as a casting director, this is for people who don't know. So you will get, what is the process? You're going to be handed a script, but you've been working with John Wells for so long. So it's a little bit different because you have a really, you're, you just have such a camaraderie. So it, it well, just- we have a shorthand and we have a, a, a you know, an amazing history, but, yeah. um, and, and in the best of times with John, he's just calls up and said, Hey, we got to pick up on such and such. And here's the script, read it and let's get started. So, you know, that's like where I'm offer only, (laughs) Um, you know, but, you know, since I'm not exclusive to John anymore, I have had to interview for jobs and I'm not, I've had to learn how to do that without being an arrogant dick about it. Because I sort of think after 35 years and you should be offer only. Absolutely. I mean, or people should want me or not want me. Either one is fine, but they shouldn't. I mean, and I'm right for some projects and not right for others. I'm funny, as you kindly pointed out, but yes. I'm famous for drama casting, death and dying casting. I haven't done a lot of comedy, although Shameless is reportedly a comedy. Well, kind of, yes. <laughs> you are really funny, but, but that's what makes the best for drama, too. So come on, it's an extension yeah. of each other. For Absolutely. sure. Actually, there's no difference at all. It all comes from your humanity. Yes, it is all about the humanity. Okay, so, so, so you get a script and you start going. So what does that mean you start going? I mean, I know, but people listening don't know. You, know, you, you, you meet with uh, the, the uh, writer creator and the, the director if he or she is on board. Mm-hmm. And you start to talk about the characters from a tone point of view. And you ask questions and you... And then out of that meeting, a breakdown is created, which describes the age and gender and race and economic strata and education level. And Can I ask you something, Don? Can I just interject? Who writes that casting breakdown? Does your office write that or does the writers write that? um, It it, it varies from show to show. On SEAL Team, the writers write them. Mm. Um, On uh, the John Wells shows, I write the the first draft and then they go to the writer mm-hmm. and they change them. Ah. And then they go to Wells and he changes them. Okay. And then of course <laughs> they go to the studio and the network because they have to approve everything to justify their jobs. So it's said. really important for the actor to read that character breakdown to get that directorial. Yeah, that's the information you're going to get before you get the material. Mm-hmm. And that's the filter through which you should explore the material once you get it. <clears throat> but excuse me, but you should also be, you know, asking questions. And in this new day and age, mm-hmm. not for every part, but for arcs, recurring parts, and significant one off guest parts, mm-hmm. I always ask my associates to um, add a note to the appointment, uh, if you have questions or, uh, or, or concerns, John is open to an email exchange or a telephone exchange. You can call me. Oh, that is so incredible. Because I think, I think 
actors are afraid to ask questions. Um, and I think it's good to ask questions ahead of time. I don't necessarily think it's behooves an actor to ask it during because if that answer is totally opposite what they're preparing, it's just gonna lose their power and throw them. But to be open like that, John, I never even knew that about you. So that's incredible. And I think all yeah, actors yeah. out here are thinking, oh gosh, I can't wait to meet John Levy. You're so <laughs> awesome. No, it's true. Well, thank you. You know, but it, it, it's, you know, again, I'm not being nice for nice sake. Um, I hate it when John looks at uploaded emails and says, these three characters missed, start again. That's not fun for me. I, you know, no. I don't enjoy being, have my work rejected any more than you do. Right. So, um, uh, and so, you know, I'm realizing that I, in this COVID era, I have to be available so that I can do the thing that I do, I think maybe better than, you know, than anything else I do, which is help actors uh, change a choice, um, reveal themselves in a way that is gonna help them get the job. Yeah, I love that you said all that. I love that so much. My mind has so many questions to ask you. What is some, okay, so we have, such famous casts and such famous shows, China Beach, ER. So the current shows right now that you are doing, SEAL Team, Animal Kingdom, Shameless. Right. Am I missing something? <laughs> no, we're, and we're doing them all at once, which normally before the pandemic, they were stretched out so that they, we were never doing more than two at a time. Mm. It, 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 it's a lot of work. That's uh, a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. So how does that... How does that work? And then, so you just throw it out there instead of having in person, you just are looking at tapes now. Yeah, exactly. And well, I think the fortunate part is that on both Shameless and uh, Animal Kingdom, we're shooting in what they call blocks. Mm -hmm. So uh, they put the first four episodes together and they're shooting all of the stuff that happens on sound stages in the first 10 days. Wow. And then they're learning more about how to deal with the COVID pandemic and all the procedures and protocols. And then they're doing all the stuff for all four episodes on the back lot. And then they're doing all the stuff that takes place on location. Amazing. So, cause that's the place where we know the least about how to control the procedures and protocols. So in some ways it's, it, it's, we started off doing eight episodes at the same time. Wow. Um, uh, SEAL Team didn't start until we were three weeks into that. Mm -hmm. So that was a, a gift. Um, um, and now we're almost finished with that first block. And the second block is only going to be two episodes. Mm -hmm. So it's going to get a little bit uh, less demanding just in terms of volume. And let me ask you this. So because of COVID, are they reducing the... Uh, guest stars coming on or are they still writing with the same um, <laughs> they're supposed to be opportunities um, yes they're supposed to be reducing the cast and yeah. I would love it if you would speak to your neighbor who's my dear friend as well because she refuses <laughs> but I love that about Nancy because she loves actors too but okay yes but I know it makes it safer when there's less people but so she's refusing so that answers my question there's still opportunity I, oh, want, yeah. I want actors to feel still invigorated. We are going through such a 
such a, a isolating time and there's there's still hope there's now there's movement into production again so yeah. it i'm so happy to have you on um to to talk about that so yes go well, ahead you know I, I was just gonna say that you know uh then the, the good news is that we'll finish you know we had done half of the season of animal animal kingdom so the first block is episodes six seven and eight and then we will mm -hmm. only have five to go. And then, then in another six weeks, we'll only be doing Shameless and SEAL Team. So, so it, it, it'll start getting a little bit, and, and also we'll learn uh, what's to so do. much as we go through the process. Well, I have to say Tyler Perry has it right. He has a bubble, he has a safety, he takes him one show, does it, quarantines everybody and does it again. If people could do that, it would be amazing if they could just- yeah, well, that's why, that's why those of us who are Laker fans are having such a good time because the NBA did a bubble too and it worked. They got it right. It totally, they got it right. And except John, I'm a Clipper fan. Yeah, right? well. Only because I, you know, yeah. You're yeah. a loser. Yeah. <laughs> Again. I'm a winner. I'm a winner in my heart. Again, what? Yeah, that's true. Again, every year, every year. Oh my God, that's so funny. All right, listen. What kind of advice can you give to actors out there to stay strong in their career and who they are and their pursuance of this in this crazy business? I mean, me and you have known each other for so many years. When I was an actress, then we didn't, then you know, we didn't talk for a while, and yet we have a soulful connection because of all of our experiences together. So anyway, I just riffed on that, but whatever, who cares? Go ahead. <laughs> Um, well, I mean, I think the most important thing, and we touched on this earlier, yes. is have a wide experience in life. Mm -hmm. Don't find yourself sitting opposite people who are exactly like you at dinner parties. Don't find yourself only operating within the sphere of your comfort or your traditions or your family life. Get out into the world. If you're going to have the audacity to be a storyteller of the human condition, you have to understand the human condition and experience the human condition. You have to be empathetic and get out there and have different experiences. You talked about reading recent, you know, earlier. And I mean, I think reading a wide variety of books written by people completely unlike you is mm -hmm. crucial. I, I think if you've never been to the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City and you haven't seen the Dutch masters, you ain't lived. Yeah. You know, if you haven't gotten out of your culinary comfort zone and eaten something peculiar and weird prepared by somebody who has a totally different culture than yours, you know, you're narrowing your sphere. So I think that's crucial because as I said earlier, you can only be as interesting as you are. Yeah. Uh, and the way to get interesting is to have experiences and also to stimulate your imagination to what if yourself into experiences that other people are having, ah. you know, not to, not to blow on embers of, uh, of painful experiences in your relationships to make them bigger than they are because that has personal consequences. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you, 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 after you've had a giant 
fight with your partner and you've reconciled, you can spend some time reflecting on how you felt when they said that hurtful and humiliating thing about you or how you felt after you said that hurtful and humiliating thing to them. And you can backlog that kind of experience to make yourself a better actor. You know, you, you aren't, you don't have an instrument outside of yourself. So you have to nurture your instrument. And then I think you need to be prepared. And I think you need to have studied. You know, there are some people who can just jump out of the plane and the damn parachute opens and they land exactly where they're, you know, that's uh, raw talent, luck, maybe. But but, um, can you do it over the long haul in different kinds of characters? Probably not, unless you have technique. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are a million techniques. I'm sure yours is, you know, fabulous. But but as long as you speak a language that stimulates your uh, talent yeah. and your skills uh, and know how to ask the questions that need to be asked to get to the result, you know, I, I, I think that's the combination. Yes. Agreed. And what, what I'm hearing you say is it really is a combination of your personalization, your personal experiences, which I agree, combined with your imagination. Yeah. So it just layers to a three-dimensional kind of uh, delivery. And, and, I, and I, think, I think you really have to love people to yeah. have the arrogance to think you should represent them in a story. That is a good point. And you have to love yourself pretty much. But it's all about the give. Don't you think in the room it's all about giving? Because you're telling the, you have to honor, I'm the biggest believer because I just believe to honor the writer's word. So there's intent in that story. So it's about giving that story back instead of taking. And I think what will alleviate actors' nerves and bumpering and all that is to give. Yeah, servicing the story. You're, yeah. you're in service. I'm in service. I'm in the service business. That's what I do. I serve my clients to get them what they need in terms of the raw materials of people to tell their stories. I'm not there to complain about their stories or to criticize their stories. I'm not a development executive looking okay. for the problem. Mm-hmm. I'm the casting director looking for the solution. What has kept you after all these years so invigorated to do this job still? What is it? Um, you know, my, my longtime partner has asked me that question every six weeks for 10 <laughs> years. <clears throat> um, she is probably not all that happy with the answer, but um, I love actors. Mm-hmm. I love storytelling. Mm. I love people. I love the interaction of the process. I'm a huge believer in the process, not the result. Mm. Uh, I'm more stimulated when I'm working with actors on a great piece of material than almost anything else I ever have done. I'm pretty happy in the kitchen uh, with a bunch of great ingredients, but I think of uh, casting as sort of the same thing as cooking. Yeah, because you're passionate about it. It's your, 
it's it's your purpose. It's your passion and purpose mixed in. Yeah. I mean, I feel the same way about the work that I do. It's just yeah. it, when when you find something that you're good at. Mm-hmm. Um, after years of finding only things that you're sort of mediocre at, it's quite an exciting revelation to be it, good it, at something. It is really an exciting revelation. And then, yeah. and then when people respect it and you feel success from it, it's incredible. So John, how do actors get seen by you? What is, how do they do it? Do they have to just wait through their manager and agent? Is their picture so important that it's going to pop to you? None of of that. Uh, I mean, I do depend on my long-term relationships with certain managers and agents who have fed me wonderful people uh, uh, over the years, over the long years. Mm -hmm. um, But I'm a 60s guy, Sherry. And uh, so I'm sort of a vibist, not a, uh, there are some casting directors who watch every damn television show. I couldn't do that if my life depended on me. Mm -hmm. I depend on Kim and Tawny my associates for that because they love to watch television and, and film and demo reels and oh god <laughs> um, I love to make a mess yeah. and get a sense and take a flyer and jump off the cliff and uh, so I, the way actors get seen by me is to do yeah. good work and to but- take themselves in their craft seriously and also not take themselves and their craft too seriously. But it's, ha- it's, I know a lot of actors out there that have said, I want to meet John Levy. How do I get there to meet him? Now, of course, I can text you. But what, what is it? Just, just, do you think it just rises up by doing the work, having um, a team? Yeah. It just comes to you. Yeah. I, I, I think if you merit an opportunity, if you've earned an opportunity, mm you'll likely get an opportunity. And if you're lazy and selfish and entitled, uh, you likely won't get an opportunity. And if you do, it it won't lead to anything. That's, I love you so much. I really, really do. Before we close out, and we could talk for a million hours, um, what is, and I, we sort of dealt on it, but I just want to end it with an inspiration for actors out there. What are three things that they can actively be doing? And I know we sort of said it with the, with the training, but in maybe something else. Well, I think in our troubled times, being active in the social justice movement mm. is a great way to have experiences while giving mm. to grow uh, to grow your instrument while affecting positive change mm. to be a full and functioning member of your community and of communities that aren't your community um, i think is one thing actors should be doing and i think they should be studying and i think they should be um, having fun yeah living their life experiences yeah john thank you so much for coming on today i you know i'm connected to you and i really appreciate your time and everything about you and guys thanks for listening and um you can email my office with questions and i'll and i'll and i'll text john and get all the answers (laughs) stay courteously aggressive guys 
be safe out there. Please wear your mask and have hope that we will overcome this and everything will be healthy again. John, appreciate Thanks, I appreciate you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you.